Hello, Browns fans. It's Wednesday. It's 7, 30, 7 o'clock. It's time for me and Fred to hang out and talk Browns for an hour. This is OBR Weekly. Welcome. Playoff edition. Hopefully we have a couple more of these playoff editions yet to go. Presented by Core Home Fitness. We'll talk about them a little bit later. How you doing, Fred? Oh, whirlwind. It's busy, but it's good busy. Exactly. It's a good kind of busy right now. We want it to stay busy for a few more weeks here. And as everyone attending probably knows, this show is powered by your comments and questions and not some sort of predefined script that I, uh, I took valuable time and resources to put together, uh, mostly because I'm too lazy. So please contact us with your comments and questions in the YouTube or Twitch chat rooms, and we will get those on air, and we will talk about what you want to talk about, not what uh, we pre-decided uh, we were going to discuss. Also, if you're in the YouTube chat room, please do us a favor and slam that like button. Uh, that helps us fool the YouTube algorithm into uh, trying to convince other people to join us. If you're in Twitch, we love you. Feel free to follow and subscribe. Uh, <clears throat> subscribe so you're notified and feel free to uh, join up and support the program as always. Um, so Fred, Houston Texans, uh, before we talk about the Houston Texans, everyone wants to talk about that Bengals game because it was so, so exciting. Um, what a waste of time that was. Um, but uh, at any rate, any possible downside, in your opinion, to resting those starters and letting the Browns get hammered by the Bengals' uh, first team? No, I haven't really thought about it during or since. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's nice to say you're 12-5, and five, but it's kind of yeah. like being 4-0 and in the preseason. I mean, exactly. you could go winless like they did under Hugh Jackson. I think they were undefeated in the preseason. and didn't win a game in the real counter. So, no, I think it was the right thing to do with, with uh, the Browns are really limping along with injured guys. And mm -hmm. I mean, all you need to see is, you know, Miles Garrett being carted off the field or any of a number of frontline guys. I mean, right. what, what, what would you be doing that for? It's first time they've had that chance. You know, the, only other two times they went to the playoffs since 99, they had to win to get in, so they didn't rest them. So mm -hmm. I don't blame them. I think it was the move to make, especially with the quarterback. I mean, you could say, oh, no, you know, you don't want him to get rusty. Well, he was sitting around for almost a year anyway. Right. Didn't seem to bother him too much. Um, and like I said, you see him getting carted off the field. I don't think you'd feel too good about your chances going forward. So, right. you know, any injury could happen starting on the first play Saturday, but at least you have a chance. You're starting out strong. And I think they're going to be pretty strong. I mean, health-wise, they had five guys come back to practice today. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the obviously a big one is Dustin Hopkins not playing, but – Right. I think there's a chance Grant Delpit will even maybe see a little time. So they had three secondary guys come back today, Greg Newsom and Juan Thornhill, as well as Delpit. 
And so I think the more, especially on defense, the better, you know, if, if the mm-hmm. defense can come to play, I think the offense can score enough points against the Texans to win. Yeah. Um, I think so as well. My prediction, uh, which everyone is waiting for, uh, will be uh, coming out here in uh, uh, the next 24 hours or so, 36 hours or so. Um, but uh, I agree with you, Fred. The one thing that happened uh, on Sunday, which is relevant to uh, the Houston game, uh, is that we saw a bit of Jeff Driscoll, who has been named the backup quarterback uh, against uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, What do you think about making him the backup after what we saw on Sunday? Uh, Obviously, you you hope he doesn't see the field, but uh, did you see enough on Sunday to make you feel confident with him as a backup? I mean, this might not be popular, but I looked who he was playing with, and he hadn't played no all year. I thought he played pretty well in the fourth quarter. I realized it was against – it was kind of like preseason, but, you know, he, he made a couple pretty good throws to David Bell for touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that he runs. He's more mobile than P.J. Walker. Um I think he's got a more similar skill set to Joe Flacco. And if you're going down this road, you know, and, and with Joe Flacco, he's six four, he's big, he's got a big arm. You know that that's the route that makes sense to me. You know what you got in PJ Walker? People say, "Oh yeah," but he led him to wins. I mean, you got to take the the glasses off and realize that that Colts game and that 49ers game was handed on a silver platter. We complain about the calls, but there's no question in my mind the calls the Browns got in those games. I mean, Browns fans don't like to talk about when it goes, you know, your way. Right. But if you would have lost those two games because of the calls that they called against you, it'd be livid. I mean, the Colts basically are out of the playoffs because of that. And, you know, that – you know, you can remember that last drive and those penalties, they were atrocious. I mean, mm-hmm. twice I packed up the, the story and then I had to say, oh, I guess they're still going because the game was over twice in that last drive. But anyway, no, I I think that Alex Van Pelt let it slip out and he wasn't supposed to because Kevin Stefanski said, well, we're going to just see how that works out. But we don't hear from Stefanski today and Van Pelt – was asked, so what's going on with the backup? And he said, we're going to go with Jeff Driscoll. The only thing I could think would be would make sense when Stefanski didn't talk yesterday. They hadn't told P.J. Walker or, you know, what what was – or the other – or Driscoll what was going on. And right. then they did at practice. And so Van Pelt felt free to share the news. But, yeah, that was that was really. I guess it was meaningful for Driscoll. I mean, he moved up on the depth chart. I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, anything else. He had a couple injuries, but Pierre Strong was back at practice, and Shelby Harris has been at practice. And the only one that seems to be in danger from the Bengals game is Cedric Tillman. Um, he's still in the concussion protocol. Right, right. The uh, informational black hole that is the concussion protocol. We won't know much about that. Interesting question from Jared Turnwald. He asks if you think that Driscoll gets some short yardage plays like DTR had. 
Uh, I know it also speculated about in the uh, OBR Slack, people were talking about that. What's your thought, Fred? I don't think so. I mean, I don't look at him as, as a really running quarterback. I could be wrong, but I think with Dorian Thompson Robinson, the reason they were trying to keep him engaged, like, you know, even if it was a play, one play a game, to keep him on that he was ready to go and you know and he had been the starter and then he gets the concussion then Flacco fever hits and that could you know that could um bruise the ego of a of a rookie and so that's why I think part of it and they they wanted to use his skill set no question mm-hmm. but I don't I don't necessarily see that Driscoll's going to be you know part of the game plan right right they'll keep him on the sideline and hope hope that he stays there uh so let's uh that one down and we're getting a lot of questions uh like uh this one uh which comes from drew in brick city a lot of people asking about other players who might return particularly on the offensive side of the ball so he asked after delpit coming back who else uh returns making a big impact um, anybody else who might, if they stay in the playoff, come back to the team? You well, if you're talking about injured reserve guys, um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's been no Dewan Jones and and uh, Jedrick Wills, Nick Chubb, and Deshaun. Those are all season-ending surgeries they've had. There's right. There's no return on that. On defense, I mean, I thought maybe Jacob Phillips because he was in preseason, but I haven't seen or heard anything from him. And at this mm-hmm. point, you can't really – I don't – Rodney McLeod, he's in the locker room, but he's not going to play. DTR has to sit out two more games. So if the Browns right. get to the AFC Championship, I guess he would be available. Um yeah, I don't I don't see really anybody coming in. Um Yeah, it's just Hopkins and Tillman right now that we're we're waiting on that we're watching for at this Yeah, point, I right? think he'll probably I think Hopkins probably could play next week is what I uh, Ventrone said that he's kicking. It's part of his rehab. No, he didn't say how extensively, mm-hmm. but um I think with the unlimited you know, bring ups with Patterson, you know, I'm looking at Patterson and he kicked in two playoff games last year and he kicked a, a game winning kick for the Jaguars in the last play. He he only missed one, you know, he missed two extra points with the lions, just like he missed one here. He, so I don't, I don't on the indoor, I think that, that he's about as good an option as you could have at this point. Right. If if Hopkins, you know, I don't know how you test your range. You know, what he gave him was that weapon from over 50 yards and indoors that's going to be in play this week. But I don't know if coming off a hamstring, you can, you know, stretch out and try a 55 yard field goal right. without redoing it. So that's the problem with that type of injury. And unfortunately that he should have just realized, you know, I can't catch, you know, a four or five 
running back or kick returner and just say, Hey, good luck. But that's where it is. I mean, that was, he's been a weapon all year. You're at the time of the year when you really need it and you're going to have to win the game without him. So I think that, you know, that's, that's the plan. They just feel like they got a pretty good, they got a pretty good replacement, all things being considered. I was looking at the stats and I kept thinking there had to been something wrong here. Why did the Lions cut him when he was like 15 for 17 or something in field mm-hmm. goals? And it was basically because he missed two extra points in two successive weeks. And they had Michael Badgley on the team, like on the practice squad or injured or something. And they practiced together every day and they decided that Badgley gave him a better option. So that's why it wasn't like they just cut him and said, we're going to go looking for somebody. They had somebody right there. Right, right. Well, uh, fortunate for the Browns, much like Joe Flacco being available was fortunate for the Browns. Uh, Hopefully uh, Patterson comes through this weekend. Um, Let's get to a couple of more specific questions before we go big picture. This comes from Drowning in Music. He says, could we potentially not play our second playoff game? Uh, The Ravens is the lowest seed right now that will play the Ravens first, correct? So I I guess he's asking about who the potential teams are that we might face in the second round should we make it past the Texans. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. The Browns are the fifth seed. And unfortunately this year, you know, with an 11-5 and record, they – they had tiebreakers. They would have been as high as the third seed if you just went straight records. Mm-hmm. They had a better, as good a record as anybody in the AFC but the Ravens. But they give the first four to the division winners. And so the Browns are five. You got the Dolphins at six and the Steelers at seven. You don't want to say this, but you would want to be a Steeler fan. You want the six and seven seeds to win. If, if six or seven win – and the Browns win, one of those teams would play the Ravens because the Ravens are going to play the lowest seed remaining. If the Chiefs win and they're the three seed and the Bills win and they're the two seed and the Browns win, they're the five seed, they would go to Baltimore and play the Ravens. But if mm-hmm. somehow, some way, the Steelers, you know, could, could win, I doubt if that'll happen, especially without T.J. Watt. Um, then you have a seven seed and they'd go play the Ravens. If you have the six seed, which would be the Dolphins, that's probably a better chance of them beating the Chiefs. Then, then the Dolphins would go play the Ravens. But, um, you know, the way it stands right now is if, if it goes the way the rankings are, the Browns would go to Baltimore in the second round. Right, right. So, takes an upset for the Browns to avoid playing the Ravens for the third time. Well, and if, and, the, uh, really... if the Dolphins beat the Chiefs and went to Baltimore and beat the Ravens, and it was the Browns mm-hmm. and the Dolphins for the AFC Championship, it would be in Cleveland because the Browns have the better, the higher seed. So, so that's right. what you, your only hope is you got two teams below you that's the only way you're going to get a home game is if the survivors are six and six or seven. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you cut out Lisa on my stream there for a second, but uh, hopefully we're good. Uh, Paul Spencer asks, uh, I thought Wills might come back. Is that off the table? He had surgery, right, Fred? Uh, it doesn't look yeah, like they said uh, originally come back. They thought it would be a four to six week injury. It got to the four or five weeks. And instead of when we were asking about designate to return, like they did with Delpa today, nothing mm -hmm. was happening. And then they said, yeah, we're putting him on injury reserve. He's out for the season. Then he had surgery. I just saw him a week or two ago and he was on crutches and he had obviously just had a surgery. So he didn't heal up the way they were hoping. I don't think he had, he didn't have surgery. They were just hoping it would heal up and it obviously didn't. So he had surgery and, and he's done. Anthony Walker, the same thing. He had a knee scope last week. They put him on injury reserve. I think technically he could come back four weeks, might get him the Super Bowl, but I think they said basically he's he's done. So you're, you're at this point going with what you have. Obviously, um, you know, Delpit would be a nice thing. Okoronkwo would have been gone if he had had surgery like Mo Hurst did, but he mm -hmm. opted to not have surgery. I think he needs it as soon as the year is over, but he's feeling well enough and thinks he can do, you know, rush on third down from the edge, you know, and with his speed and athleticism, he might be able to, you know, take the quarterback down with one arm you know, as far as they got him in a harness. So I think he can, I think that's a, that's a big positive. It, it gives you another guy to chase down CJ Stroud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, we've got room for more questions. Uh, I've got four stacked up here. So if you've got more questions for Fred or comments that you like our opinion on, uh, please feel free to fire away and I will mark them and we will jump back to them. Uh, another detailed question, this from Bert in the YouTube chat room. He wonders, what is the status for Shelby Harris, who uh, walked painfully off the field against the Bengals last Sunday? Yeah, he's good to go. He practiced both yesterday and today. Um, you know, no limitations that I saw. I don't know what he's listed at on the report, but I think he's he's good. All right, that's good to hear because uh, we could certainly use him. Uh, I wasn't really blown away by what I saw in the defensive tackle department against the Bengals uh, last week. Were you, uh, Jordan Elliott, uh, as an example there, uh, did not really impress me. We really need Dalvin Tomlinson and Shelby Harris uh, in the middle of that line, Fred. Yeah, I think that, you know, Jordan Elliott in previous years, didn't maybe have the supporting cast, so even stood out more. With all the guys around him, I think, you know, he's got pretty good reviews. But if it's left to him, you know, on his own to be the, the mainstay, doesn't seem to hold up. Right. Okay. Well, I tell you what, uh, last week we introduced you to our new sponsors here on this program, uh, the good folks from Core Home Fitness. Uh, as I announced them, then uh, I am fully committed to making this the year of the web dork. Uh, even if you're not a web dork, but you want to get yourself back in shape, uh, look up our friends at Core Home Fitness. You can find them at corehomefitness.com. 
check out their assortment of lifting equipment and especially check out their top-rated adjustable dumbbells uh, by the New York Times, uh, top-rated by the New York Times and Men's Health. They're also a Best Buy at Consumers Reports. Uh, this is good equipment, folks. This is good stuff. I just got my equipment the other day. I'm getting it set up, trying to rewire myself for the new year. Uh, hopefully, I'm successful. But if you're of a similar mindset, check out their videos. Check out their other products. They've got something called the Glute Drive Plus and the Fight Master. And you can try and crush your goals for 2024. They've got a U.S.-based support team, uh, fast shipping. They got me my stuff in just a couple of days. You name it, they know what they're doing. So, look, if a schlub like me can try to make it happen, you can too. Regardless of your New Year's resolutions, again, check out corehomefitness.com for the ultimate in home fitness equipment. These guys rock, and we really appreciate their support of the OBR, Core Home Fitness. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, let's get back to uh, your questions. Um, this comes from uh, Jared. He says, uh, the line is getting all the attention. But if Ward, Newsom, Newsom, Emerson shut down the sidelines, I like our odds. Now, the defensive line has a pretty good matchup, which we can talk about here in a little bit. But uh, Nico Collins in particular, you know, if you watch the Colts game, that very first play, he's a, he's a scary guy, Fred. Um, he and Stroud really have something going. Uh, how do you think he matches up against the Browns' defensive secondary? Well, it's interesting, a Buckeye with a Michigan guy. Yeah. Him. But um asked Denzel Ward that today, and he said that, you know, they've got a good connection. Um, it'd be interesting. I do like the Browns' corners. Since they lost Tank Dell, who was their leading receiver before he got hurt, you know, it's, it's Collins and Robert Woods, and he's been dinged up too. Um, on the injury bug, on the injury report. But their two main guys are Collins and I think Dalton Schultz, the tight end. So I think I think um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't remember. I thought Collins played last time. They had trouble getting him the ball, but I don't know if Emerson was matched up with him because he's more physical and bigger mm -hmm. or Denzel Ward. I mean – the biggest problem with Emerson is he gets a little too handsy and gets a lot of defensive penalties. Right. And so I don't, I don't know how they'll approach it. Obviously Ward's the best cover guy. He's a little slight and Collins is big and physical. So mm -hmm. I don't know how they'll, how they'll approach that. But I think if the Browns mix and match, I think they can, they can match up pretty well with them and keep, you know, maybe keep a fresh guy on him. And, uh, but I think what really matters is the pass rush is attacking that offensive line and, you know, sending waves of Garrett and guys from the middle. They had some pressure inside last time, moving Garrett around maybe a little if Tunsil, you know, and they double and triple team him, it seemed to be effective. And, so I'm confident Jim Schwartz is going to come up with a plan to confuse the rookie. As great as C.J. Stroud's been, he is a rookie, and I'm sure there's some things he hasn't seen. First off, he hasn't seen the playoffs in the NFL, right? And and the level of speed is a higher, faster paced. So 
I'm just really counting on Schwartz coming up with a game plan, you know, to, to neutralize uh, Stroud, you know, as far as, but there's no question Collins is their big play guy and the Browns have to just like they would look at Amari Cooper is trying to slow him down from 11 catches, 265 yards. Right. Yeah. They're going to be very focused on Amari after what he did to him uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's for sure. All right. So uh, let's go to uh, Greg Sweeney. And he asked, why is Flacco playing so much better than he did in New York? Go Browns. Um, that's a good question, Fred. Do you think it's the surrounding crew? Do you think it's Stefanski's use of Flacco? Um, do you think it's the fact that Flacco knows what his role is here? Just some thoughts as to as to why Flacco is suddenly uh, lighting everything on fire. Well, I think that there's a lot of variables here. It's a good situation for him. He appreciates the opportunities that a while he was sitting at home for a year, you know, want, thinking he was done, but it goes back to, you know, the NFL it's, you get a reputation and it's obvious the NFL thought he was done. Nobody even called him. Okay. Look at all these quarterbacks. I mean, you're talking about Jeff Driscoll. You're talking about these guys, you know, that are backups that we're seeing playing all across the NFL. A lot of them cast off from the Browns and they never called this guy. The word, you know, kind of went through or the report was that he's done. And I think he might've got, you know, sometimes you talk about being in a bad situation. Sometimes if you're in on a team that isn't very good and when you do get to play, you lose games, so you get the reputation. You know, all I heard was he was 3-14 and 14, his last 17 starts. Well, mm-hmm. was it because he's such a bad quarterback or is it because the guys around him were, were bad? Um, you know, you look at the Jets, okay? I mean, Zach Wilson was the number two pick in the draft, but okay, he didn't play very well. And they're talking about getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. And now you had – you know, when I saw him a year ago, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, that last minute and a half, I don't remember what he did the rest of the game, but in the last couple minutes against the Browns, I mean, he was lighting them up. He was playing like he's like what we're seeing. He threw that 84-yard strike to Corey Davis, and then he threw the touchdown to Garrett Wilson. Um, and, you know, I didn't follow the Jets after that game, but then – you know, I saw that they benched him and went with Zach Wilson. I assumed it was basically because they wanted to justify the number two pick playing right. and see what they had. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why nobody even gave him a call. But sometimes things line up properly. It just seems like Kevin Stefanski is suited more for the a guy that has the skill set of Flacco. This seems to be like his type of quarterback, the big six, five, big rocket arm, mm-hmm. you know, from the pocket type quarterback. Um, he had success with Kirk Cousins and, you know, and he did that with Jacoby Brissett and Baker Mayfield had his best year. 
We talked about Case Keenum before. So I don't know. It just seems like Stefanski has pushed the right buttons, put him in the right place to be successful. And I mean, that's the mark of a good coach, but it's opportunity meeting, you know, the situation and the situation was the Browns were desperate. They, they didn't really have a lot of choices. And so he took advantage of that opportunity and the Browns have been the beneficiary of it. Uh, interesting follow-up question here from Stephen Kramer. He says, uh, do you see this type of offense with Flacco, the blueprint for Watson? You know, there was a particular type of offense that you saw down in Greenbrier, you know, earlier this year, Fred, um, kind of a wide open offense, uh, which we didn't really see during the season. Do you think that, you know, what Stefanski had planned for Watson is going to be adapted due to the success with Flacco? Well, I would think so. I, I don't see, you know, Watson has more mobility and he has every bit of the arm that, that Flacco has. So I mm -hmm. just feel like, yeah, I don't know why we never saw anything like this. That's what they talked about. Um, maybe they were trying to, to mesh the running more as opposed to when the running was taken away here with Flacco, they just said, forget it. We're throwing the ball. And he's throwing the ball 45 times a game. And so I think it's some balance, but those are questions that we'll ask after the season is, you know, why can't you adapt this type of a style of offense regardless and not, Oh, we have to get all mobile type, quarterbacks like DTR, Josh Dobbs to go with Watson. Right. How about just getting a really good veteran backup? So if you have an injury to Watson or, or whoever's your starter, the season isn't tanked. You think about having a guy that could step in like Flacco, you know, even that game against the Ravens when DTR was thrown into his first start, I don't know if they'd have won, but I think they would have played a lot better and they might at least won another game or two in the mm -hmm. regular season if you had competent quarterback play. You know, you think of right. that Seattle game, you think even they won the 49ers and they won the Colts, but those were last second thrillers where might not have been as, as tight if you'd have had better quarterback play. Um. Let's go to, uh, let's see this next question here. Or is this a comment from Larry when we were talking about uh, the uh, interior defensive line? And we were talking about Jordan Elliott, but Siaka Ika spent a long time, a lot of time uh, lying down on the field uh, against the Bengals. And Larry points out that this is uh, why we haven't seen Ika play all year, because he can't stay on his feet. Um you know, you don't see much of practice, obviously, Fred, as, as we've gone over here on the show, because uh, you can just see guys stretching and a little bit of drills. But uh, he can strike you as a guy who uh, he, he's fast, but maybe needs to give core home fitness a call, spend a little bit more time in the weight room, put on some bulk or something like that. Is there a, is there a cure for what plagues him at this point? Well, he's definitely a big man. I think he needs to, yeah, he needs to convert some of his weight into more upper body muscle would be my 
first opinion. But sometimes with these rookies, it takes them a while just to adapt. I think it's really been good. In the past with the Browns, they've always been poor, and their draft picks had to play right away because they that's that's where they were. And mm-hmm. even Isaiah McGuire and, and Ika, they've been on the inactive list most of the year because they haven't needed them. And this allows you to develop guys. So maybe in the second year, he's ready to take on a bigger role. I don't know if they'll bring Jordan Elliott back, but maybe he could take his place. That's what good teams do is replace them. But I think the other day, all I kept seeing is he couldn't watch the ball. And, you know, when the ball moved, then then move. I think he was off sides three or four times, you know. Right. And, and, you know, that's that's just silly, you know, when you watch the ball move, then you move. And so, yeah, he's got, he's got the raw potential, but I think it's been good. Maybe make him hungrier to go and, and work at it and earn some playing time in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If if Elliot sticks around, it's not going to be on a very big deal. I don't think, but uh We'll get into that uh, during the offseason. We'll uh, have uh, hopefully not as much time as we were expecting to talk about things like that if the Browns stay in the playoffs. Um, Drew in Brick City speculates, is this the week for a Miles extra point block? I'd like to see something out of Miles, Fred. Uh, uh, obviously uh, lacking in sacks the last few weeks. Uh, I guess this Houston uh, offensive line, do you think this could be a week for a breakout for, for Miles? Yeah, I do. I mean, this is what your, you know, your big players, your best players, you know, you is the playoffs. This is, you know, when they have their biggest games to, you know, you, you turn to. And I know Tunzel's one of the better ones and he, when they played a couple of weeks ago, obviously Case Keenum wasn't as mobile, but they would have him roll out opposite, you know, of the direction Garrett was to almost have to make him run further to get to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, you know, so I, I see Houston doing some of that, but as far as that's really where the other guys come in, there's Darius Smith and Okoronkwo and even up the middle, if they can, if they can really keep Stroud in the pocket, the biggest thing is he's not a Lamar Jackson, but he's, but he evolved at the beginning when he was at Ohio state, he never ran the ball. And then he Mm -hmm. started running and he became really dangerous. And he's their third leading rusher. He doesn't run a lot, but, but on those third and 15, he can kill you with a first down. And so that's where a JOK or somebody that you can, you know, keep an eye on, don't let him break out of the, you know, pocket and beat you with his legs. So I think, I think miles has it in him to take over a game. He came close to it in that Colts game. Um, but you know, they still gave up a lot of points. So I just, I just think that if he, if they choose to take Garrett out of the game and teams can do it, then it's really incumbent on Zadarius Smith or somebody else to, because they can't block all these guys. And, and so that's where you got to make them pay, choose your poison. And then 
And if Garrett gets a chance, you know, to do it, I still seems like whenever I see them moving him around, it really he's successful because, you know, they can't plan for every situation. If he's coming right. up the middle or coming from the guard or whatever, I kind of don't know why they maybe don't do that more. Maybe they do it more and I don't realize it, but I only see it on some of the videos later where they show it. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, I don't know if you remember the the game. On, well, you were uh, – I don't remember if you if that was a home game or an away game, but uh, Amazon does this all-22 video, which is awesome. You can video zero in on whatever you're interested in. I wish uh, more broadcasts did that so you can keep an eye on Miles or or whatever, but uh, that's just a, just a dream of mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at any rate uh, – Got some strange dreams. I I do. I do. And and they're very minimal. They're very minimal. It doesn't take much to make me happy. Just an all-22 view of the game. Uh, Rocky Balboa asks, is the AFC North brand of football a step above the other divisions, you think? Well, right now, I mean, you got three in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, And all four of them had winning records. So, you know, that's that's what's a shame is almost – just go by a straight ranking of records, you know, and you might add four teams, you know, as far as it's just, yeah, they're tough physical and um, they can play with anybody. I mean, the Browns beat the 49ers and the Ravens and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that they beat each other up when you're playing over a 30 year schedule in this division, that, that prepares you, you know, they're undefeated against AFC South, and it doesn't mean they're going to win this week, but it'd be very tough to go undefeated in the AFC North for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, this every single team has a strong defense, good pass rush. Uh, even the even the Bengals with Hendrickson and uh, Hendrickson and Hubbard. Um, so yeah, AFC North, uh, very tough division. Very very tough division. Um, let's go to, uh, let's see here. Let's go to Jared again. Uh, he asked, what position got group do you guys think has the best matchup? Well, if you're asking me, I I just say, I think the defensive line against the Texans offensive line, they got a pro bowler and they've got Shaq Mason, but I, I think that the Browns have waves of guys. They have a front line, you know, in Garrett Thomas and Elliot Smith, but Okoronkwo and Shelby Harris and Alex Wright, he's got five sacks, I think, in the last five or six games. So you can run a group at them and keep them fresh and just wear that offensive line down. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I was going to say defensive line as well. You know, the strength, strength of the Browns defense – weakness of the Texans offense. Uh, we should be able to run, shut down their running game, make them very one-dimensional on Sunday, he says, knocking on wood. All right. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, sartorial matters. Uh, as you can probably tell, uh, Fred and I are uh, very happy individuals. And the reason that we're very happy individuals is because we look so darn spiffy these days with our uh, OBR gear and so forth and how happy we are. 
And if you, like me, are in a business, running a business, uh, chances are you've got clients and you've got customers. And if you want to be successful in business, you probably want those clients and customers to like you and your product. A great way to do that is to remind them, remind them of your great relationship with fantastic gear that reflects your branding. We are happy and looking as good as possible for us because a guy in our forums in our Twitch chat room named Philly provided us with this awesome OBR gear that everyone seems to covet now. So whether you're in marketing, human resources, operations, or you have your own small business, Philly can help you put a smile on your clients' faces by getting them to similar products with your logo and branding. He works uh, with everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses like the OBR. So, you know, my theory is uh, if you want to be successful in business, you need happy customers, happy clients. Philly can help you get those happy clients. So contact him at the information shown on the screen right there, Scott Fillinger, scott.fillinger at proforma.com. Uh, and he can help your business or organization grow. It's as simple as that. Be more successful at business. This is the guy who can help you. So that's all I got to say about that. And we will get back to uh, football. And we've got room for a, a couple of other questions. Uh, if uh, you have them, we will answer them. We got a lot of people here, but it's kind of quiet today. I think people are waiting for the game, Fred. Everybody's just at the ed on the edge of their chairs waiting for Saturday at 4.30 p.m. There's not, not a lot of questions flowing today, not a lot of comments. But if you got something on your mind, hit us up and we will get to it. Well, I'll say, I'll just kind of give you my opinion. You know, this Browns haven't been to the playoffs a lot, but when they were in 2020, I think they almost were happy to be there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't get that feeling at all, even though they haven't been there in two or three years. This is a different group. There, There's some veterans in there, and they, they spoke. There's been some that have been to the Super Bowl, Rodney McLeod, Joe Flacco. Jim Schwartz, and they addressed the team. And I was impressed with JOK. He spoke about it, said that it was really impactful, is that this, you know, this opportunity you just don't get all the time. And it's really, you have to really – and Amari Cooper talked about today, talked about preparation is the key in the playoffs. And and they're just focused in. Now, they might not come out and play like it, but they, they sure seem like they are focused on this game. They're, they're not um, – I mean, they're smiling and they're joking, but it's not frivolous. You can, you can see when you talk to these guys, they all are focused on the task at hand. And I do think that there is some something to that with a veteran presence because they brought in many guys that have been to the playoffs. This roster is a veteran experienced roster and the Texans, I think are a rebuilding team way ahead of their schedule. You know, I think they won three games last year. That's why they, you know, part of the reason they drafted so high and mm -hmm. did an outstanding job, but I, you know, they might be just happy to be there. And, right. you know, and the Browns know how serious this is, not saying the Texans don't, but 
I just think that that could give them an edge, you know, going down there and have played there three, four weeks ago. I just think that they're, they're poised, you know, to play well. Yeah. I, uh, Rocky Balboa sort of echoes you. He says it really does seem like the stars are aligned in our favor. Uh, the Browns do seem to be taking it very seriously. They do seem to have the right mindset. Uh, the only thing they got going against them is guys like me who are paranoid. Like I wrote in the newswire this morning, Every, everything always seems like a big setup to me. Things are going too well, you know, and that's because I'm a Browns fan from back in the eighties and, you know, I'm used to having the rug pulled out from under me, but maybe this time is different. Um, let's go all the way back to 704 when Paul K. Spencer asked this question. And I've been saving it for uh, saving it for now because I want to zero in a little bit more on this Houston game. And Paul asks, what, Fred, what worries you most about this game in Houston? Well, I would think that, like I just touched on, that Houston is a young team and they don't know what they don't know. I mean, they're coming into this thing. Yeah, this is, we can get the Browns, you know, this is no big deal. The CJ Stroud gets off to a hot start. Sometimes you just, you know, can't get it, can't catch up. And so I, that's where I just really think the Browns need to come out and take it to them like they did a couple of weeks ago. I mean, like I said, it was, 36 to seven with six minutes to go when they pulled the starting defense and we all know what happened. The reserves gave up a quick touchdown, then an onside kick, another touchdown 36, 22 made it look like it was kind of a close game. Wasn't that close. In fact, their first touchdown we all know is when they lost Dustin Hopkins, a 98 yard kick return. So the defense basically shut them out. Now they didn't have, obviously CJ Stroud. But do you think that if the Browns were ahead 36 to seven, that CJ Stroud would himself be the difference for 29 more points? I do not. So I'm just saying the Browns just need to come out and do their job on defense and, and continually keep the offense in striking distance before Flacco, I'd say, you felt like without Watson, your best path was just your plate and let your defense win the game for you. And the offense just manage the game and don't mess up. Now you feel like with Flacco, they've averaged 31 points a game with him at quarterback the last four games. And so you feel like you got a pretty good offense. And so if the defense can just do their job and hold the opponent somewhere around 20, I, I like the chances the Browns will score more than that. And so right. that that's what I what I see there, you know, and that's the you know, that's that's what I think the best thing they have going is just kind of impose their will on the Texans, not let them think they have the upper hand in this game. Right, right. Stop them from getting off to a quick start. I you know, uh I, I think what the Browns can do is make them one-dimensional, right? Put everything on Stroud, throwing the ball by shutting down their running game. Conversely, what worries me the most is they have a very good run defense, right? Our run offense has not been all that strong, and that they do the same thing to us and make us one-dimensional, right? Uh, 
if Anderson and Greenard play, they're pretty good putting pressure on Flacco. Flacco makes mistakes sometimes. That's what worries me the most about this game. Uh, but I absolutely hope you're right. Uh, I absolutely hope that Rocky Balboa is right, that this team is different than the teams that we've seen in the past and that my paranoid delusions are absolutely baseless. We'll find out Saturday. Um, chat username asks a question. He says, do we keep Flacco next year until we're confident in Deshaun Watson? Watson? Well, that's a discussion, you know, it's still to be determined, <laughs> right? You know, they I lose this we'll week. Talking about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole new dynamic that, you know, I think the front office game plan was Deshaun Watson Originally, Josh Dobbs be the backup and DTR to sit for a year and then next year move into the number two slot. I don't know if, if you can do that. We saw this year what a, I thought it was a major mistake to let a veteran quarterback, even though I wouldn't say Do Josh Dobbs was really your prototypical veteran quarterback, but right. he had at least played in some games. Um, you need somebody, I don't care what their skill set is. If it's a drop back pocket passer like Jacoby Brissett or Joe Flacco, I would rather them have somebody like that and then adapt to the situation if need be. It sounded good on paper to have all the same skill set, but in reality, there, there was probably better options out there, but it's all going to come down, I think, to Flacco. Is he just happy to have a chance to be back in the NFL? I know he is, but after this ride, well, other teams will come calling. Will he say, well, hey, yeah, I want to go be the starter somewhere. Um, I do not think they'd bring him back and say, you're in competition and it's open between you and Deshaun Watson. No. Um, no. So – it, it's really going to be up to him and his mindset. He's 39 next week. I think the six, the 16th. Um, yeah. We've been seeing quarterbacks play until they're in their forties, but you know, how realistic, you know, I'm sure that the narratives changed on him, you know, when nobody was interested in him, now they're interested in him. So it's supply demand. You know, if somebody, that doesn't have a quarterback says we drafted a kid, but you're our starting quarterback. He might say just like Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I knew he wasn't coming back even though he didn't land a starting job. Flacco's mm -hmm. kind of different. He seems to really like, you know, it is, but I don't know if he'd like it, if he's just the backup quarterback. Right. Right. I just wonder how many teams are going to give a starting job to a guy 39 years old. I, I know that, you know, Brady got starting jobs in his 40s and so on and so forth. I, I mean, yeah, is I, the league that, that desperate for quarterbacks? <clears throat> someone that age can get a starting job handed to him? Well, I think that's that's the question. Why why did everybody wrote him off as he was not not uh, valuable to, to mm -hmm. even be a backup quarterback, you know? Right. So nobody called him. So right. I would think if he said, you know, and he has been a backup, you know, since he left, left the Ravens, you know, when they drafted Lamar, I think he was in the Broncos, then bounced over to the Jets. So I think he still just wants to keep playing. He said he wants to play next year. 
He really likes the, what the Browns have done with him and give him the opportunity. And so I think he feels a little loyalty, but I don't know, you know, what they're thinking. I think it could change too. a win this week or a couple wins could really change, you know, all the way around, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really have no idea at this point. I think they'd be interested in bringing him back. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, right now it's a feel good story. He's got a number of really good games under, under his belt. Get a couple wins in the playoffs, things start getting really serious, you know, and, and people start looking at him in a in a brand new well, you know, light. You know, if he gets a win this week in Houston, he'll be the all-time NFL most winning quarterback on the road. He'll pass Tom Brady. Right now, he and Tom Brady have seven wins on the road in right. the playoffs. They don't count Super Bowl because that's neutral site. But, yeah, they both have seven wins, and – you know, obviously Brady played a ton of games at home right. and Flacco played on the road, but still that's some pretty good company right now. He's tied with Brady and he can have the record with a win this week. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, another question from chat username. Uh, it says, what happens to Schwartz at the end of the Browns season? Uh, what's the percentage chance that he stays with the Browns? Uh, I think as of now, Fred, there are eight teams looking for head coaches, and I've not heard Schwartz's name mentioned in terms of getting interviews or anything like that. Uh, but uh, that's a lot of teams looking for uh, hot commodities at head coach. What do you think, sir? Yeah, it. Um, you know, they just keep falling. You know, I thought usually it's Black Monday, and they, you know, you had variable on. Tuesday, and then you had, you know, another move with Pete Carroll on that today. And and so right. um, we asked him about that last week, and he said, because he's 57, and like Bill Callahan, I really doesn't don't think wants to be a head coach anymore. And mm-hmm. Schwartz has been one. He said that he's like anybody. He still wants, aspires to be the top of his profession. So that means he wants to be a head coach if given the opportunity. Now, I don't know if he'd want to go to a dumpster fire. You know, most of these teams are starting over. But the analytics now, most teams are going with the young up-and-comers, offensive-minded guys. Mm-hmm. It always kind of goes in trends. If they right. fire a defensive, uh, defensive coach, they usually hire an offensive coach. So I don't know. He has a lot of history with the Titans. Um, and there's teams that I think he would, he could fit. I get these betting things. I don't bet, but they send them to me in case I want to write about it. And I look for his name and he's been on most every list, but he's down to about 50 to one or right. One of the, you know, down the list, it's going to take somebody that, that really likes him that he's worked with in the past and he's been doing it in 31 years. So anything could happen. You know, mm-hmm. Tennessee owner could really have a good relationship with him and, you know, and that might be who they want. But, yeah, generally, I think he'll be back. Um, I think he really likes it here. He always liked – he started his career as a quality control guy with Cleveland. He was part – back when I was working with the Browns and he was with Phil Savage and all those kids were renting an apartment. They were all, like, in their 20s and – and uh, they all went on to, you know, to 
pretty good careers, but I really think mm-hmm. he, he likes it here. And unless he gets a, a head coaching offer, he will be back. He's not going to go somewhere. I don't think to be a defensive coordinator somewhere else. Right. Right. I, uh, I, I also think that, you know, at his age, speaking as someone that slightly older, um, he probably wouldn't want to go to a place with a four-year plan or a big rebuilding type of situation. I mean, his ideal job is a place that needs a defensive coach, defensive-minded coach, so that they can win right now, right? You know, I think some of those jobs is probably wouldn't be appropriate uh, for him at, at this point in his career. But, you know, who knows, right? Uh, there's yeah. only so many jobs to go around. Uh, I saved this question for last, Fred, because I want to end on a positive note. This is from Rocky Balboa. He says, Fred, from being around the team from training camp until now, what has impressed you the most about this group? And what are you most optimistic about concerning this team? I think the chemistry of they really do get along. They do care for one another. There is a, there wasn't, you know, even just a couple of years ago with OBJ and Baker and, there was a lot of dysfunction on that team and the players talked about it. This, they truly, I see offensive players kidding around defensive guys. There's not clicks. I really think there is some bonding that goes back to training camp that, that, and they really buy into that. You're only as strong as your weakest link. And they really feel like they have depth that can step in and play Jim Schwartz said today, Ronnie Hickman, undrafted from Ohio State, he's never had a he never had a rookie safety play as well, you know, as he has in the situations they put him in, and that's a testament right there. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think across the board, they bought into Kevin Stefanski's one and zero mantra. They all talk like Stefanski now in interviews, and so that means they're believing because they got some success. They really believe they can go all the way and win the Super Bowl. And, you know, I can see that now where I would say, yeah, they can say all they want, but you don't have your big guns. How can you do this without Nick Chubb or Deshaun Watson or your top three tackles and, you know, all this? But they they are, you talk about a team, they are all 53 kind of combined with the same goal. And if you have that same goal, you're all pulling on the rope together. Mm-hmm. A lot of things can happen. That's uh it's positive news. And this comes gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, from a guy who was around this team all year long, was with them down at Greenbrier, has been with them in Berea, with them on the road uh, frequently when they travel to away games. And uh, if anyone knows about the chemistry of this team, it is Mr. Fred Greetham. The legend. And thank you very much, Fred, for your wisdom. And thank you, everyone, for uh, <laughs> for hanging out with us uh, here tonight. Hopefully, we will be back here next Wednesday at 7 o'clock talking about a Browns victory uh, against the Houston Texans. Uh, if not, we'll break down uh, the alternative, but I don't even want to think about that. But at any rate, thanks for hanging out with us as always. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, OG Philly and Core Home Fitness. Go Browns. We'll see you uh, next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Good night, everybody. See ya.